0: So uh, this is the point of the service that we're going to open up uh, together and we've been doing a a little series in the parables of Jesus. We've been uh, looking at the stories that Jesus told while he was here on earth and uh, we want to unpack them and ask God what what are you speaking to us about through them? Uh, Why don't we pray? Why don't we pray before we open God's word? Lord we thank you for your word and we pray this next wee while Lord will be More than a few nice thoughts and a few interesting stories, or not so interesting stories for me, Lord. I pray that you will impact us, Lord, through the truths that are in your book. We thank you that it is a living word. Amen. Amen. So uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew 13 and we're going to be looking at verse 44 to 46. It's just a couple of verses. The words should be on the screen behind me as well. Hopefully. So what I'll do in the meantime, I'm wondering, John, would you be our Bible distributor? Uh, so if you've not got a Bible, uh, put your hand up, we'll get a Bible out to you. Yay, we'll get a Bible out to you. And if you've not got one at home, we'd love you to have a Bible at home as well. Mary, did you not bring your Bible <laughs> Terrible. Goodness me. Right. It's just a couple of verses. Matthew 13, 44 to 46. It's about this far in your Bible, if you want to do that guess thing where you open up in the middle and see if you land on it. 585 on those Bibles. But we've got, anyway. It says this The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Amen. So two verses uh, today, or is it three? Three verses today uh, we're going to be looking at. And burying treasure, burying a. possessions that were valuable was really common at this time wealth was typically tied into land and possessions and uh, people who were fortunate enough to have that little bit extra didn't have bank accounts we didn't have what we have today so if you had excess you buried it uh, to give you a bit of context in terms of the man finding uh, that treasure I don't know about you guys, but I love stories of lives being changed. I'm sure we all do. It'd be a bit weird. No, I don't like those kind of stories. But uh, I love on TV people who win competitions uh, and see in an instant their world's completely change. I don't know if you remember Paul Potts. Does anybody remember Paul Potts? Paul Potts was a car phone warehouse phone salesman. He sold phones and uh, done that job, loved that job. Uh, but he went into, I think it was X Factor, the very first one or one of the first ones, and sung Ness and Dorma. And I went back onto YouTube and I watched it and I got something in my eye again when I was watching it. Just really, really powerful really powerful and another one of my favorites is who wants to be a millionaire it came back on with jeremy clarkson not so it wasn't the same wasn't the same preferred it with chris Tarrant. but on who wants to be a millionaire Uh, there was a video as well on youtube of the american version and there's this young lad who's on it and he's on the the million dollar question and he gets to the question and he has one lifeline left and it's phone a friend and he, he says i want to phone a friend and everyone's going, oh, who's going to get the phone call? And he says, I want to phone my dad. And everyone's going, oh, that's, that could be risky. So uh, they, they hook him up in terms of the line to his dad. It rings, and he said, you've got one minute to speak to your dad, say that question and the answer, and da-da-da. Uh, and his, his first words were, Dad, it's just to let you know, I'm going to win the million dollars. And everyone cheered, and it was just an awesome, awesome moment. Uh, then we have people's lives, uh, people's lives being changed by something they have found. I've seen a story this week of a couple who are walking their dog in California, and they uh, got to the back of their garden when they got back, and they found the edge of a tin just coming out over the grass. So they decided to dig it. It was by a tree, and they decided to dig it up and see what was inside. They'd done a wee bit of digging, and they found three big metal cans three big metal cans, and they opened them up, and inside them, there was 1,427 coins. Now, these are coins that date from 1847 to 1894. They, uh, some of them were worth 16,000 pounds, so $27,000, but some of them were so rare, they could sell for nearly $1 million. There was roughly $6 million worth of coins. Wow, amazing, isn't it? Uh, There's a a gentleman called David Hall who was in the professional coin grading service, which sounds quite an easy job when you get a fiver, that's a fiver, when you get a pound, that's a pound. But anyway, uh, he said this, I don't like to say once in a lifetime for anything, but you don't get an opportunity to handle this kind of material, a treasure like this forever. It's like they found the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. There is a, a register in the human heart for treasure, we read these stories, or I read these stories, and I imagine, what if that was me? What would I do? What would I do? I, I've al- this is a bit of a conf- I've always wanted a metal detector. Anytime I walk around a beach, I'm like, wouldn't it be great to get a metal detector? Just that off chance that we find some treasure. There's a longing in the human heart for treasure, to find something valuable. And those moments that I spoke about are moments where people's lives were changed forever. They were never going to be the same again. Always going to be known as the, the, net, the car phone warehouse guy or the who wants to be a millionaire guy or the gold coin couple. A treasure discovered means their lives won't be the same again. Here at Inverness Vineyard, if we believe in Jesus, if we trust in him and have accepted him into our lives, we've received the Holy Spirit. We have a treasure that is worth infinitely more than anything else that the earth can offer. Any of those stories. I spoke of I spoke about our vision being a place where people come alive and that's from uh, there's a, a couple of verses in Ezekiel 37 which speaks of a valley of dry bones and our vision that this is a place where God breathes new life into all of us and all of us I mean all of us whether we've been a Christian 20 years two years one week we're not a Christian it doesn't matter he wants us to come alive this morning In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus speaks about where your treasure is, your heart is also. I want to ask us, where is our treasure this morning? Where is this treasure of the kingdom of God this morning? Jesus is speaking into this, uh, in this parable. And the more and more that we journey through these parables, it's becoming clear that it's always a re-examination of the heart. Every time I find myself when I'm preparing, it's like, I have to look at the heart we have to examine our hearts. And that can be tough. When I was thinking, I thought of the, the game Operation. Do you remember the game Operation? And you'd have the little, and then somebody would buzz, and you go, Sometimes when the Holy Spirit wants to come, and he wants to examine our hearts, there can be that little moment where it's, oh, that was sore. There's stuff that's so in deep that God just wants to take out. He wants to clear. He wants to set us free. He has the power to bring it out into the light, but we need to let him in. We need to be brave. I want to look at this parable of the hidden treasure and of the pearl and to remind us of the greatest treasure this morning. Jesus, in this passage, is teaching on the kingdom of God. And at the vineyards, we are big on the kingdom, we love the kingdom of God. Our vision for the movement, there's over 120 churches, vineyard churches in the UK and Ireland. And the vision for the movement is extending God's kingdom together everywhere in every way. So, to give you a little whistle stop tour of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is the dynamic rule and reign and authority of God over heaven and earth, all things visible and invisible. And Jesus, who was a simple carpenter, declared himself to be the anointed king that the world was waiting for, who would give himself for the sake of the world, who would die a gruesome death on the cross, and he would proclaim in word and in deed that God's kingdom was among them. He demonstrated this in signs and wonders, miracles, healings, transformations, a foretaste of God's kingdom that will come fully one day. Jesus ushered in the gifts of God's future perfect world. And uh, there's two ways of looking at at talking of God's kingdom, the now and the not yet. We we live in a tension between the kingdoms. We live seeing God do amazing things, but the kingdom is yet to be fully revealed when Jesus returns. So the now is we get to play the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit and sent out, and we get to see the Holy Spirit use us and move when God's kingdom comes near I spoke last week of wanting to see more healings and power and want to see God's power move for Inverness, for this morning in this space. And then we have the not yet, which teaches that the kingdom is still to come in it all its fullness. That we still see tough stuff happen. We still see illness and death and sin and hurt. And that's the not yet of the kingdom. So right now it's running on parallel tracks, so to speak. And when Christ returns It's going monorail. It's going on one rail. There's three things I want to delve into this morning about this greatest treasure. First of all, to recognize or rediscover the value of the treasure. Secondly, to press reset on our priorities. And thirdly, to realize the potential that this treasure carries. Three hours. So when we're sitting this afternoon or later tonight, we can remember uh, three hours. So recognize, reset, and realize. Firstly, recognize or rediscover the value. I'm sure all of us have had moments, and I like to call them wow moments. You know moments where the world stands still, and you just take in the magnitude of what is in front of you. It's like everything's in slow motion, and you go, wow, what's going on here? You marvel and soak it up. I've had a couple of these wow moments in, in my life, and I want to highlight one or two of them. My first one was my wedding day, the 15th of August, 2009. Uh, seeing my beautiful wife, Mary, walk down the aisle. She's like, oh, whatever, cheesy. But seeing her walk down the aisle at Inverness Baptist Church, and I remember yet yeah, there was an elderly uh, lady, really thick Invernessian accent, and as she was coming down the aisle, she went, you're gorgeous! That's my Indonesian accent. And I just went, yes, she is. But another thing, actually, when Mary was about to go down the aisle, our, uh, she were asking, well, you were asking your mum, how, how am I to walk down the aisle? And her mum said, you have to look mysterious. <laughs> well, let me tell you, when Mary walked down the aisle and she was looking mysterious, I'm like, she, what's going on? Why is she not happy? She's like, didn't want to smile and looking down. I'm like, what have I done? This is the happiest day of our lives. So mysterious was the wrong call. but that was a wow moment the second one was in 2007 we got to go to canada we have a great auntie and uncle which live in toronto and they just were so generous we got all these trips to cn tower remember going to niagara falls incredible incredible going on the Maid in the Mist, and this power of the water, the views. I've got a really embarrassing photo of me in one of those ponchos, and they only had small ones, and it was kind of up to there, up to my elbows. It looks like, to put it into context, if I tried one of Struan's jackets on, and I'm standing there like, hey, this is great. I tried to find it to put it on the screen, but maybe I'll find that another day. But that was, another, that was a wow moment. And then finally, my two amazing boys, our two amazing boys being born, Joshua and Struan. Those struins was a bit more traumatic for me. I don't know if I can say this because Mario will go, traumatic? You don't know the half of it. But anyway, it was a wee bit more traumatic for me. It was a C-section and I had to get scrubs on. The, the staff, for those of you who have been around C-sections, you go into this room. And I was just left there and all these scrubs and crocs and everything. And it was just quite intimidating. And then I went in and there's all this machinery and all these people. And I was like, I need to sit down, love. I need to sit down. But that was a wow moment for me as well. I'm sure we could all share wow moments, and remember how amazing those moments were. I never want to forget them. I never want to take them for granted. I always want to treasure those memories and never get complacent in my marriage. I never want to get complacent when I see God's creation and remember what he's created. I never want to get complacent when I'm being with my boys. But I do take them for granted. The wow moment becomes a moment. It's normalized. We do mock up. We do forget. We do make mistakes. I remember when I became a Christian, six years old, holding my mum's hand, walking to school, prayed the prayer, looked up to her and said, mommy, I just gave my life to Jesus. I remember it so clear. I remember meeting Mary and recommitting my life to Jesus after some rough years of hanging on by myself. I remember the massive faith step in resigning from a a promising career in financial services to become a youth pastor on a one-year contract. And we remember hearing God so clearly about Inverness about a year and a half ago, that now is the time. And last September, moving through, we can recount time and time again Times that God has broken through in our lives, and I'm sure we can all do that as well. But I remember the tough stuff. I remember trying to sell a wee flat in Aberdeen, and it's taken two years to sell. I remember taking two years to try for a baby, and it being been incredibly, incredibly tough. I remember when Joshua was born, spending 10 days in the hospital, and after three days, phoning up one of my friends and just bawling down the phone on the way home. I couldn't, you know those cries where you can't even breathe? I was like, Joshua. I He's like, okay, calm down, let's pray. I remember the tough stuff. But God's presence was near. Time and time again, never giving up. Meeting us in our pain. Meeting us in the confusion. Meeting us in the emptiness. Meeting us in the fear. And we've seen people healed. We've seen people become Christians. We've seen God ministering in my life over anxiety, Him shaping my heart so my confidence is in Him and not in approval from others. Those wow moments I don't want to take for granted. The kingdom of God is the greatest treasure for us, the kingdom is treasure. The Greek translation, verse 44b, just that second bit of verse 44 says, when a man found it. The word for found is herisco. It appears uh, in the Greek, and it literally means eureka. That's what it means. A eureka moment. This changes everything. Eureka moment is when a person realizes something. The man found this. This Wow, this changes everything. He's realized we don't, we don't forget the value of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is precious. There's nothing, there's nothing shoddy or shady about it. Its value is eternal. The price of our wrongs were paid on the cross. We have access. We have God's spirit. Paul, uh, the apostle Paul, who was a man powerfully used by God on his mission uh, to the church in Ephesus. He says this in Ephesians 1, 19 to 20. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power lives in us today. We have everything we need. When the man found this treasure in a field which didn't belong to him, it was his wow moment. It changed everything. When the merchant was looking for the fine pearls, he found one of great value and that was his wow moment. That was his eureka moment and it changed everything. For some of us this morning, it's about going back to that moment. And I'm not talking about the the wedding days or the childbirths or the wonders of the world. Although they are great, it's about recognizing, remembering, rediscovering the ultimate eureka moment the ultimate the greatest treasure that encounter with Jesus when we met him when he transformed our lives when he came into our hearts when we discovered that treasure for the first time and following that discovery it was the most protected and precious thing in our lives for some of us here this morning we have forgotten about the treasure we've neglected its value we have seen the world drain our kingdom tank dry some of us have went and dug another hole for it. Covered it up. It's been so long since we've carried the treasure. It's been so long since we believed what we've been singing about the treasure. It's been so long since we prayed with the power that the treasure has been, that's been deposited in us. It's been so long since we stepped out in faith to see his kingdom come. And this morning I feel God is saying through these two verses it's time to rediscover the treasure. To find it again. To be filled afresh with his spirit. Because we leak and to have that moment of rediscovering the wow. That he wants to use us. that His power is made perfect in our weakness. The enemy loves to see us reduce the value of the kingdom in our lives. Especially in our struggles. But it's about realizing that in some seasons, it's about one step in front of the other. It's about right foot, left foot, persevering. You know, maybe there's one or two of us this morning who aren't Christians who are sitting here. The man was looking for something in this passage. He was looking for something. The treasure was hidden, hidden. I want to ask, what what are we looking for? Maybe you're wondering this morning, how on earth did I end up here? What a what a strange makeup of people. What funny songs we sing. Coffee's alright, but this always rate the coffee. You know, in our searching, God has a plan. He has a plan this morning, and he loves you. You know, Paul Potts, back to Paul Potts, 10 years on, in an interview, he said this, even now, I half expect someone to say, sorry, we meant a different Paul Potts. I wonder if they made a mistake. I feel there's a word just in that, a few lines. Some of us are here, and we've lived our whole lives with that. You're to hear that you are God's treasure this morning. And he places value on you this morning. And he has looked you out for such a time as this. He loves you. He doesn't mean a different Mary. He doesn't mean a different Ross. He doesn't mean a different Tyrone. He means you. He hasn't made a mistake. And this morning, he's calling you to to rediscover the treasure or to discover it for the very first time. And he is so overjoyed. So firstly, Oh no, we're down. Okay. Secondly, we have to reset on priorities. We have to reset on priorities. Hey, does anybody here like the Antiques Road Show? No. <laughs> okay, so the third point. <laughs> I remember on Sunday evenings watching the Antiques Roadshow with my parents. It was part of the run-up. To Monday mornings at school. You know that way you'd try to stretch out Sunday evenings as long as... Yeah, I'll sit and watch Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And uh, afterwards you'd have Heartbeat. Do you remember Heartbeat? And Greengrass. Do you remember? Uh, anyways, I <laughs> don't know why I'm saying that. That isn't even in my notes. And uh, the only vaguely exciting thing about Antiques Roadshow was finding out the value of things. You know, they get to the point and then you find out the value and you'd hear the gasps and then what you'd always find out in Antiques Roadshow is there'd be people at the back and they'd not heard the person right and she'd go, 30,000 pounds Moira, that's how, enough, how much, you'd always see people behind go, repeating the value back, oh, don't burn all these shocked faces. There's a story of a, a, a lady who went into, it was actually a young girl who went to Antiques Roadshow and she took in, I'll get this right, she took in a Greek statue, it was about this height, and she bought it for £15, pounds, or her family had bought it. And it's one of those Greek statues, you know, when they've got the kind of towel thing around their waist and they're doing a funny pose and there's the leaves around their head. It's kind of Greek kind of thing. It's about this height. And uh, she said, I got this for £15 pounds and actually we're using it as a doorstop. That's what we're using in the, in the house. We're using it as a doorstop. And actually my mum had said, should, Antiques Roadshow over at this, this park. We should go and find out what's the story with it. So they took it in and the man starts to explain its background, starts to explain where it was from, what it was made of, where it would have been, who would have had it, how old it was. And you know that way you hear all the waffle and you're just like, you could see the girl going, okay, yes, that's very interesting. Tell me how much it is. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Well, tell me how much it is. And uh, it gets to that point where they find out the value and it was worth £6,000. £6,000. £6, and I tell you what, the girl won't be using it as a doorstop anymore that was my initial thoughts. My point of that story is this, for some of us, the treasure, the kingdom of God, the treasure is not doing what it should be doing. It's not being placed where it should be placed. And God is calling us to reset on priorities this morning. It's striking in the passage, the man finds the treasure hidden in a field. He has a moment where he realizes the value of it. And what does he do? He hides it again. He hides it again so he can buy the field. And the only way he has full access to the treasure was to buy the field. And the only way he could buy the field was to sell all he had. Every last bit. In verse 44 it says, And in his joy he went and sold all he had. In that initial discovery he had a snippet, didn't he? He had a little preview. And only by giving everything up could he receive it in its fullness. It could be his. It's a bit like when I was younger, I, used to, I still kind of like games consoles, but you used to get the magazines with the demo games. So you'd get a CD where you could play some of the latest games, but you could only get a little bit of the game. And uh, I'd always wish when I bought the magazine, I'd play the game, and I'd, sometimes I would pray, Lord, I pray they make a mistake, and I get the full game by accident, and that I get to play it all, and I can keep this, and it only cost me four pounds. But never, never happened. It's a bit like that, though. The demo gives you a taste. But the full game is going to cost us, namely all my pocket money. The man had to sell everything. He had to. The famous Scottish missionary David Livingston says this, "'I place no value on anything I have or may possess except in relation to the kingdom of God. If anything will advance the interests of the kingdom, it shall be given away or kept.' Only as by giving or keeping, I shall most promote the glory of him to whom I owe all my hopes in time or eternity. Where is God's kingdom, his rule and reign in our lives this morning? Where is it placed? Is it after we get the mortgage paid? Is it after we upgrade the phone? Is it after we get the newest pair of trainers or watch the latest movie or spend time with the family or raise our children or work on our marriage or plan our holiday? on discovering the treasure for this man, he pressed the reset button. His priorities shifted. It was life-changing. And you think of reset buttons. They're often very, very small buttons, aren't they? If you think of toys or machines, they're often hidden away. They're very difficult to get to. You need something extremely small to press the button. And I I feel that's the same for us. We find it difficult to press it. How many of us need to press reset this morning? Philippians 3 verse 8 says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Again, this is Paul writing to another church in Philippi. Garbage is quite a hard word, isn't it? The English version, this translation is actually a very soft version of the Greek, which is a lot stronger to emphasize the point. It's a lot stronger. On discovering the treasure, nothing else mattered. Everything had to flow from there. Life was to be lived with the kingdom of God at the center. So my, my challenge for us this morning is to ask, where did our priorities lie this morning? What was our heart holding on to that needs to let go? What is consuming us? What is eating us up? What's our first thought in the morning? What's our last thought at night? Let's invite God's spirit afresh to press reset, to reset the lists, to start afresh, to mend, to heal, to re-engage us for the walk. And then just finally, we have to realize the potential of the kingdom of God. This treasure changes lives. This treasure changes families. This treasure changes streets. This treasure changes cities. It revives. It welcomes the lonely, the ill, the forgotten. It restores. It heals. It enables. This treasure is why we are here as Inverness Vineyard Church and what we are for. And it's the most important thing that we can ever find. Let's walk into our weeks letting God be God. Let's put Him in control. Let's put reminders in our weeks to look to him. I used to carry a little cross in my pocket, which was really handy, a little wooden cross. And I was trying to look for it, actually. I don't do it anymore, but it was so helpful for me because I'd always have my phone in my pocket. And how, how bad are we in queues? I don't know about you guys, but in queues or waiting, you just see people, the first thing they go for, or if you're in trains or public transport, the amount of people that pick up their phones. And it was a really helpful reminder for me when I went to get my phone, oh, there's the cross, Who do, what do I need to pray for right now? What's God speaking to me about? What's my heart like just now? You know, it was just a really helpful practical thing, and that might be a helpful thing uh, for, for some of us here this morning. A great chance just to, to give over to God. One of my favorite movies is the movie Everest. I'm a bit of an adventure, I like to see myself as an adventurer at heart, but I don't quite play it out in real life, but I love adventure, I love the thought of it, and uh, this church, the reason why we're here is because of an adventure that God has placed in our hearts for all of us to go on for this city, and uh, the film Everest is one of my favourite movies, and I've done a wee bit of research into the the Everest mountain, and uh, prior to 1996, one in four people would die trying to climb the Everest mountain. Today, 14 of every 100 would die climbing the Everest mountain. One day, 16 people passed away trying to climb it. One in 10 who make it die on the way down. Sorry, this is quite morbid. Uh, It's quite expensive to climb Everest. It can cost anything between 30,000 and 120,000 pounds to climb it for one attempt. You have to put in at least 12 to 18 months of full-time training to be able to start on that adventure. That's astonishing numbers, isn't it? It's a high cost. But what struck me about that was people are willing to do it. People risk everything they have to accomplish a feat that is no tangible reward beyond pride. Beyond saying, I, I've climbed Everest. It's not to be entered into lightly. Folks, we have Jesus. We have Jesus. People are willing to risk their lives climbing a hill. A hill's maybe a wee bit of a come down <laughs> climb a mountain and god is asking us to give up our lives to an eternal destiny to a life spent in security with him to be worshiping him for a hope to share the hope that we have with people who don't know him my prayer as i read that was lord let me be as passionate as the everest climbers when it comes to your name Lord, let me lay it all down for you, Lord. Let me let go of everything else and cling to you. The kingdom of God teaches love. It teaches power. It teaches generosity. It means we get to play. It brings adventure, risk, and excitement. So as we start this wee church, I think we're on service number six or something just now. As we dream big dreams for this city, imagine the potential with this number of people radical Jesus followers living out the kingdom in the next seven days until we meet again what would we do differently what would we do differently as we leave here how would we speak to others how much bolder would we be to pray for other people how much open more open would we be to be vulnerable in this space so we can be sent out how much sweeter would our hearts be towards people who wrong us How much looser would our purse strings be in living kingdom generosity? How much more would we be prepared to take a risk or two? Kingdom of God is the greatest treasure. So my prayer is let's go out and live it as Jesus intended for each and every one of us. And just very, very quickly, it says that the man went in his joy. We've not got time to go into that fully, but let's have fun doing it. Let's have fun doing it. One of our values is fun. We don't take ourselves seriously, but we take God seriously. But also joy is that deep-rooted assurance. It's that deep-rooted joy that when we give all to him, we receive life-changing joy, deep joy, resolute joy, sustaining joy through the ups and through the downs. Why don't we stand